You know, this morning uh, we're encountering some opposition. And uh, whether that's a massive snowstorm or the sound randomly not working for no real good reason on our online thing, but honestly, when that happens, uh, I felt the Lord say to me, the enemy has played his hand, meaning that he doesn't want this word to get out. So as much as he's tried to discourage us, in fact, the opposite has happened. So we have persevered. Uh, for those that have stuck through online and didn't quit and get frustrated and go on with your life, but you stuck with us, thanks for staying with us. For those of you that drove through a massive snowstorm, thank you for being here. God's going to reward you in one way or another. Um, this, uh, this message kind of has started to come to me a little bit, of, a little bit ago, and God's been speaking uh, to me about it for a while. Because this is an issue that I struggle with that I think very many other people probably also struggle with, and it's the idol of clarity. And what I mean by that is that sometimes, you know, we're so full of questions. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. And often we don't have the answers that we want to have. And we can get so uncomfortable with that. We can get uncomfortable with uncertainty. And it can drive us crazy. And we can have this deep, deep reliance on just this desire for clarity. We want to know what's going on. And this desire for clarity this deep need for it, it can actually bog us down because we're searching for it continually and, and we're not finding it and it's so frustrating and it's taking over our mind and our heart. So why, why I call it an idol of clarity is an idol in the Old Testament was something that was built that they would worship that was not God. So something that wasn't God that they were worshiping. And what worship means is essentially to give worth to something. And there's lots of different ways that you can give worth to something. One of the ways is by dwelling on it and thinking of it constantly and pursuing it. And that's what often goes on with clarity is we can have this dogged pursuit of it. And in a way, we can worship it because we're seeking after it so much. And what clarity is, is it's a clear, comprehensible, and coherent look at what's to come or what's going on right now. So it's kind of like a, to know what's going on in full. And I'd put forward the notion that when we put this need for clarity in a position that's higher than God, and we're desiring clarity more than we desire God and trusting in him, then it's become a big idol in our life. And the story I want to look at today comes from Numbers 13. Just for some context, uh, this is right towards the beginning of the Bible, and the context surrounding this story is that God had recently freed the whole nation of Israel from captivity in Egypt. They used to be slaves, and God had set them free. And now it was time for him to take them to the land that he had promised to take them, the promised land that he had set aside for them to live. And at this point, Israel is outside the promised land. They're on the periphery, and they're waiting. And God asks Moses, the leader of Israel, to send some scouts over to the promised land so they could see what it's, what's, what's there. That's where we're going to pick up the story, Numbers 13, 1 through 3. The Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the twelve ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out twelve men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. So Moses tasked these leaders 
um, with this scouting mission. They were supposed to go over to this promised land. They were going to figure out what the soil was like, what kind of crops could be grown there, who lived there, uh, what their towns and cities were like. Just, they were going to get a full report of uh, you know, what this promised land was all about. And during this investigation, they came across these amazing things like these incredible fruits. And in fact, they found this huge cluster of grapes that was so big that it took two people to carry. But they also encountered three giants that are listed by name in Numbers 13. And they're descendants of a giant, a famous giant named Anak. They were a little worried about them. So now we're going to look at the full report. We're going to skip few, uh, forward a few verses uh, in Numbers 13 to Numbers uh, Sorry, to verse 25. It says, After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was a report to Moses. We entered the land you, set, you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Malachites live in the Negev, and the Hittites and Jezubites and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes there, goes to live there. And all the people we saw were huge. We saw giants there, descendants of a knack. Next to them we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. See, this story um, of these dissenting scouts, the ten scouts that let fear take over their life, they spread that to the whole nation of Israel, and a full-blown rebellion happens. And then what happens is an entire generation of people misses out on what God had for them because they let fear take hold. They never got to see this promised land that God had set aside for them because fear ruled their heart. See, we can often find ourselves on the precipice of something that God wants to bring us into. Whether it's a new promotion, whether it's a higher level of intimacy with him, whether it's a blessing that he wants to give us. But many times, we refuse to take the leap of faith necessary to receive that. Because we don't have perfect clarity. And what happens is we end up being stuck in a place that God never intended us to be stuck in. We're experiencing all sorts of turmoil that God never wanted for our life because we refused to take a leap of faith because we decided that we needed clarity and we decided that we weren't going to trust God with the unknown. So we're going to take this story and we're going to apply it to our lives and see if we can learn some things from these scouts in these situations where we face uncertainty. And I'd say now is a pretty big season of uncertainty. It's a very strange time. So the first lesson we can learn from this story is that when we, when we lack clarity, realize that it's perfectly normal. The Bible says that we see in part. And you have to get used to that because that is going to be the case more often than not. More often than not, you're going to have more questions than you have answers. It's only in heaven that you're going to have perfect clarity where you're going to understand everything and the who, what, when, where, whys, and hows. 
In this story, God allowed these leaders to have actually a fair amount of, of insight into where they were going. They got to see all the potential blessings and the potential pitfalls of what may, what may come, the hurdles that they're going to have to jump over. They knew the who, what, when, where, and why, but what tripped them up is they did not know the how. They had so much insight, far more than we normally would ever get, but yet because they didn't have this one aspect of it, they didn't know how God was going to bring them into this land, how they were going to defeat these giants. And with this lack of clarity, they, they just freaked out. They flipped their lids, and fear just took hold of their heart. And as a result, they spent their lives stuck. They didn't get to go where God wanted them to go. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but we will see everything with, perfect, with clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, and then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. When I get to heaven, I'll know everything completely. But for now, it looks like I'm looking through a puzzling mirror. I can't quite make out everything. Everything is translucent, not transparent. So much of our world is set up to remind us that there is a God and we are not him. It's only God that has perfect clarity and knows what's to come and knows what's around every corner and he knows what the purpose is in all things. So rather than us chasing this idol of clarity and demanding clarity and pursuing clarity, maybe know that that's something that if you chase after, you're never going to catch. You're wasting your time. You will never have clarity until, until you get to heaven. So don't put that in a position above God. There's a beautiful story of a young American academic named John Cavana. What was funny is uh, actually last night I happened... I don't watch very many um, online services because I honestly, I just don't like it. I prefer to be here in person, and luckily we have that luxury here. But I tuned into an online service I saw. And just as I tuned in, he started, this guy started to give a prophetic word. And anyways, his, his, his word was all about trust and clarity. And then he happened to use this exact same um, analogy that I'm about to use, and I thought, whoa, maybe there is a God. Maybe I actually did hear from him, and this is a message he wants to give his people. So I thought that was pretty cool. So anyways, here's the story. John Cavana. He's a young man in the 1970s, and he's struggling, trying to figure out what direction his life should take. He was good at school, and he thought, you know what, maybe I could be a professor. But then, as he was a Christian, he thought, you know, is that really the path that God wants me to take? Will he be proud of me if I take that path of academics? Is that really the best use of my life and my time? And he thought, you know, what if I... Uh, isn't it more spiritual maybe to go live among the poor and be a missionary? And he, and he had this struggle. He didn't know where, where he should go. And so he decided if there's one person on earth that could help me with this, it's Mother Teresa. And so he traveled all the way from the States to Calcutta, India, so he could work alongside Mother Teresa for a few months. And he thought, you know, if there's anyone that could bring me clarity on my situation, it's going to be her. And as he met Mother Teresa, she asked, what can I do for you? And he said, I've traveled thousands of miles to seek direction for my life. Could you please pray for me that I would have clarity? And she said, no, I'm not going to do that. See, clarity is the last thing that you're holding on to, and you must let go of it. And John said, well, you seem to have clarity in your purpose, in your mission. And she said, no, I don't. I've never had clarity. What I've had is trust. So I'm going to pray that you trust God. 
It's a beautiful story. See, clarity over all things is unattainable. You're not going to get it, so stop reaching for it. But trust in God is very attainable. He wants you to trust him. The path is, is clear for you to walk in a relationship where you trust God. And when you walk in this trust with God, it serves to, to quell the storm inside you. The one that's made of that fear of the future, the fear of the unknown, the fear of, the fear of making mistakes, trust in God can help you with all of that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, very famous verse is this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Then Psalm 37, 5 says this. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. See, continually in our lives, we're going to have to do battle with uncertainty. You don't just suddenly you know, graduate high school and then you're done with uncertainty for the rest of your life. When I used to work in university ministry, that's a problem I watched happen continually. So many kids thought, you know, I finally figured out what I'm going to do with my life, and then they think they finally crossed this big hurdle, and that's the end of that. I won't have to deal with all those issues of who am I and what am I supposed to do, but it turns out that's going to happen to you the rest of your life. So you better get used to battling with uncertainty. And when you battle with uncertainty, you're going to be faced with a choice. You're either going to have faith and fix your eyes on God, or you're going to fixate on fear, this fear of the unknown, the fear of making mistakes, the, the fear of not knowing what's going on, the fear, the fear of not understanding what this purpose is, of you know, all this storm that's surrounding you. This brings us to the second point. When you're in these situations of uncertainty, when you have the choice between fear and faith, you have to consider the multiplication effect. See, both fear and faith will multiply. They're contagious. They spread. Whatever is sown, whatever is planted in your heart is going to be reaped and it's going to be harvested and it's going to be harvested or reaped with an exponential increase. This is the way God set up the world. We see this happen with the story of the ten scouts. So it just started with ten of them that were allowing fear to swallow up their faith. And this fear began to compound on itself and get worse and worse and worse and worse because they didn't deal with it. So if you look at this story, originally they saw three giants, and we, we have their names right in number 13. Somehow these scary giants, they were able to get so close to them that they introduced themselves and got their names somehow. I don't know. Three giants. But when they actually come and they meet with Moses and they say what happened, they very ambiguously say, we saw giants there. Took, a, took it a step up a few notches there. Didn't say just three. No, we saw giants there. And then at this point, they still present the pros and the cons. They say, you know, this is a land of, that's bountiful, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they're like, look at all this amazing fruit. And then they also said, but, you know, the people there are powerful. The towns are large and fortified, and we saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. So at least they had pros and cons still. They exaggerated the con a little bit, but still pros and cons. But then Caleb and Joshua were still gung-ho and say, we can take this. We can, with the power of God on our side, we can march into this promised land. We can get what God has put aside for us. And this kind of freaked them out, and they decided, you know what, um, to win this vote, we need to spread our report and get the rest of the people behind us. So they started to spread the report around the rest of the nation. And you'll notice the fear just escalates even more. So here's their, what they're telling the rest of the nation. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. See, what happened to the land of, that's flowing with milk and honey? It's now been changed to the land itself is going to devour you. It's so terrible there. It's a little strange. Next statement. All the people we saw were huge. 
bit of a jump up from three people. And it says, next to them we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought of us too. That is quite the exponential increase in fear. And, you know, it just spiraled out of control and kept getting worse and worse. See, this bad report, it spread throughout the entire nation in a single day. Imagine, this is before Facebook, before social media, for a report to go through an entire nation in a single day. Everyone was talking about it, and they were up all night, freaking out. Next day, a protest broke out. They even protested back then. Had a protest against Moses and said, we'd rather go back to Egypt and live as a slave. You're leading us into a massacre. And then as Joshua and Caleb said, no, we can take this. We have the power of God on our side. They were ready to stone them. They did not want to receive the message. That is a quick escalation of fear. Luckily, God steps in. And it's a story for another time. But if you want to keep it in numbers. But this story shows that these situations of uncertainty... You know, when we're so desperate for clarity, and, when we, and we just allow this fear to take a hold of our hearts, it's going to spread and it's going to multiply, and this negative outlook is just going to completely take over. You're going to lose all the positives of a situation. You're not going to be able to look at something clearly with pros and cons. The positive will be devoured by the negative. And the more likely this begins to happen, the more likely it's going to spill out of your heart and you're going to be talking about it, and you're just going to take your fear and spread it all around, like it's COVID or something. And as the fear increases, your desperation for clarity increases, because you want a reprieve, you want it to end. And you just keep spiraling further and further away from God, and looking at a different source, desperate for clarity. But here's the thing. Faith will also multiply and spread if you sow that instead. This multiplication effect is all throughout Scripture. It's how God's economy works. Galatians 6, 7 says this. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. See, when you plant a singular seed, and it'll grow and it'll flourish, and eventually you're going to have many more seeds. Like say if you're going to plant a tomato seed, you're going to get a whole tomato plant full of a bunch of tomatoes, full of a bunch of seeds. That's an exponential increase. And that's the way our lives work spiritually too. When you plant something, even if it's just a singular seed, and you nourish it, then it's going to bloom and and it's going to multiply exponentially. So if you can plant a seed of faith, even if it's just a singular seed, and you can nourish that and hold on to it, it can flourish and it can grow and it can prosper. And all of a sudden you can find yourself full of faith when just a little while ago you were completely lacking it. Just because you planted a singular seed of faith. You held on to a singular seed of faith. And God says that we can move mountains with faith the size of a mustard seed. If we have faith that's just the size of a tiny, tiny little seed, whatever we face, we can conquer it. Why? Because seeds grow. If your deep need for clarity is causing this fear to arise, remember that fear is only going to fog up your lenses even more. Fear is not going to solve your problem. It's not going to make you see better. It's, going to, it's just going to make things worse. You're going to lose all the positives out of the situation, and you're going to dwell on the negatives. It's going to make the situation worse. So we need to choose faith. So how do we choose faith? That brings us to our third point, choosing faith. So if we want to stop fear in its tracks, and we don't want it to exponentially multiply in our lives and affect even other people's lives, how do we do that? 
First thing is always to go back to God's word. God has a propensity all throughout scripture to declare what's true and what's right long before you even thought you needed it. And if you go right to the beginning of Numbers 13, right to the beginning of this narrative, you'll notice there's something there that God had already, should have dealt with their issue with clarity right from the get-go. Numbers 13.1. says, The Lord said to Moses, Send out the men to explore the land of Canaan. This is verse 2 now. The land I am giving to the Israelites. He had already said, I'm giving you this. He guaranteed it. This is going to be yours. You don't have to worry about the how or anything. I'm giving it to you. I'm going to make it happen. People didn't believe that. They kind of just skirted right by that. And they had to wait 40 years in the wilderness for the next generation to rise up and take that promised land. The thing is, when they finally got to go into the promised land, they finally got to, to see what God had, tried to be, had, had been wanting to bless them with that whole time. First thing they encounter is an army of angels that have been standing there waiting for them, ready to do battle for them. And then God takes them to the biggest, baddest fortress in the land, Jericho, and he tells them to blow their trumpets and shout at that big wall. Really nonsensical battle plan, but yet it, it just comes tumbling down. That's what happens when the power of God is on your side. See, God was ultra confident in the victory the whole time because he's the one that had perfect clarity and he had declared it from the very beginning. I'm going to give you this land. See, God will often declare what he's going to do in your life far in advance. Sometimes it comes with a prophetic word from somebody. They're going to speak into your life. Hold on to those. Sometimes it'll just come scripturally. What has God said about you scripturally? It's all throughout scripture. God holds you in a very high esteem. You're his son. You're his daughter. He has good plans for you to do amazing things. You need to pay attention to what God has said. He's really the only one with clarity. If you're looking for clarity, he's the only one you're going to find it in. You're going to have to trust that he has it and you don't, but that's okay. You need to worship at his feet and not worship the idol of clarity. And when you seek after God and you spend time meditating on what his word says or what's been said about you prophetically, this builds faith. It sows seeds. Every time you go into scripture and you read what God thinks of you and his plans for you, that seed goes down into your soul. Every time you go into those prophetic words of encouragement, that seed goes down into your soul. And eventually, these seeds begin to bloom as we nourish them, as we continue to fight that battle against fear. Romans 10, 17 is that faith comes from hearing the word of God. So if you need faith, you need to hear the word of God some more. Sometimes the thing that you really need is for yourself to say it so you can hear it. I would recommend memorizing scripture and saying it out loud. If you're in the middle of a battle, begin to quote scripture out loud so you can hear it. Not just you, but all the enemy that's surrounding you too can hear it. Announce to your whole situation that you're going to stand on the word. The thing is, if you want God to speak to you via scripture, he's probably going to speak to something you have memorized. So try to memorize some scripture, get to know things. And the, the word of God is so powerful and it's unmatched. It's your best aid that's out there. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. See, when you quote scripture, you bring the Holy Spirit on the case. He shows up. And he begins to do battle for you. And he helps you figure out which of your thoughts are of God, what's godly and ungodly, 
What's true and what's false? What's faith and what's fear? Even if you just memorize a single verse, it can make a huge impact on your life. You need to start somewhere, start with just one. Here's been my favorite of the past few weeks as God's been speaking to me, speaking to me about an idol of clarity. I like to overthink things. That's my, that's my superpower. <laughs> and what God kind of randomly brought to me in the middle of one of my overthinking sessions was Psalm 27, 13, which says, I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So if your brain starts to spiral out of control and you say, what if COVID lasts so much longer? You can stand up and quote, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. God will turn this situation for good. I'm going to see goodness. What if, you're, you know, what if I get sick? What if my friends get sick or my family gets sick or my kid gets sick? No, no, no. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Are my hopes and dreams going to come true? I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. My mental health is spiraling out of control right now. No, no, no. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. What about all this politics stuff? No, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm in a big financial mess right now. No, no, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's just one verse that can change your life. And the Bible is full of them. Stand on the word. In conclusion, 2020 was prophesied as this year of clarity, this year of 2020 vision. I think that's a bit of a joke, but God's pretty funny like that. Here's the thing. I think many people took that as this is going to be a year we're going to see further ahead. We're going to understand what's going on. No, I think that what this year was supposed to be about is that we had clarity of who God is and what he's capable of. Because let me tell you something, this stage is set right now for you to grow in your faith like never before. To have a new clarity in who God is and, and what he thinks of you and what he's capable of. That he is so much stronger than anything the world could ever throw at him. When chaos comes our way, it's not that big of a deal because our God is so much bigger and greater and stronger. That's the clarity that we need right there, who our God is. God wants to add that clarity to your life. So when you're facing down these situations of uncertainty and you just feel this attack coming across your, your heart and your soul and your mind, you can stand on who is my God and who am I to him. The more clarity you have on who God is and who he, who he thinks you are means that you're going to be far stronger to weather the storm. All these things that used to bother you for maybe years and years of your life, God can vanquish and give you a new strength because you have an increased trust. We go back to that story of the scouts. When Israel finally made it to the promised land, they found out those scouts had lied to them. Those evil scouts lied years ago. They said that the people there in the promised land viewed the Israelites as a bunch of grasshoppers, just these tiny little things, insignificant, easy to beat. But when Israel finally came to Jericho and they sent some scouts into Jericho, they met a lady named Rahab, and this is what she said. She said, we are all afraid of you. Every one of us is living in terror. We have heard of the amazing miracles of your God and how he's helped you destroy enemy after enemy. Our hearts are melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight you after hearing what your God can do. Surely your God is the supreme God of heaven above the earth below. See, we shouldn't need clarity of what's to come when we know who our God is. Because let me tell you something, the enemy sure knows who our God is. 
One thing to always remember is he is far more scared of you and your God than you should ever or could ever be afraid of him and what he can do. We don't have to worry about the path of head because God is already there making a way. We don't have to worry you know, about what kind of opposition we're going to face because we serve a God that has overcome the world. Something to always keep in mind is the enemy is so afraid of you. Remember that. You might be worried of all this mess that he's thrown in the way. He's far more afraid of you and your God than you are of him. Remember that. God wants you to get, get to know him with greater measure this season. We only have a little bit left of 2020, but I feel like that's what the year was supposed to be about. Get to know him in greater measure. And let go of this need for clarity. Everyone is clamoring trying to figure out when is this COVID going to end. It's going to end when God figures out it's going to, you know, decides it's going to end. And he's going to use it for good some way, somehow. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about what's going to come down the pipe here. Because I serve a big God. I'm going to put my trust in him. I don't have to bear this burden. I don't have to carry this stress on my shoulders. And I'm going to give it to him. I trust in him. He's a good God. And he loves me very dearly. He saw this coming thousands of years before. He's got a plan in place, and it's a good plan. You might be so surrounded by this fear right now. It might be just taking hold of your life, and your, your life is just full of anxiety and fear, and you're struggling right now to see the positives in any situation. And it looks like there's a mountain to climb, in your, and you, it just looks impossible. I encourage you just to take one step, just one step, one step of faith. Just plant one seed, and seed by seed by seed, if you keep doing that, you're going to find that this trust is going to build in God, that your situation is going to change, your outlook's going to change, you're going to be able to see the positives again, and the stress that's on you is going to be able to begin to leave. I think this is an incredible time, an incredible year, and an opportunity for our faith to grow like never before. Because these are some really big things that we need to trust God with. And if you can trust him with big things like this, like a worldwide pandemic, my goodness, you can trust him with anything. And if you can learn in this season to say, fear, you can't have a home in my heart, but faith, come on in here. And you can learn to plant these seeds of faith and become a person of faith. You're just going to grow in leaps and bounds in your walk with God. Some of you that might be watching this online or here in person, maybe you don't even know God yet. And you're actually like seeking clarity on who God is. And you're kind of afraid to make that jump to become a Christian. I would encourage you to take the leap of faith. God's going to become more real to you when you open your heart to him. A lot of questions that you have are going to be answered when you actually open your heart to him. So I encourage you, if you're thinking about becoming a Christian, do it. It'll be the best thing you've ever done. Because you were never meant to walk this life alone. You were always meant to walk it with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you become a Christian, God puts that power inside you. And as we were reading, it helps you to figure out what's right and what's wrong, what's of God and what's not of God, what's, what's fear and what's faith. It's incredible. For the rest of us, I feel I'd like to go out of 2020 with a bang. Uh, honestly, like, I, think, I think it's time to fight and shift things. We've had enough. And I don't, I don't want to dwell in fear any longer. I want to live in trust like never before. And um, just with some conversations we had with numerous people in the church, we kind of put together a bit of a prayer plan. 
to take us right to the end of 2020. We're going to go out with prayer. And um, for many of you, maybe you've thought, I don't really even know how to pray. Um, so we actually put together a prayer guide to teach you how to pray, and it's just full of scripture. And those are going to be at our info desk as you, as you walk out. We also put together a prayer schedule um, that's going to be towards the, the hall that goes where the bathrooms are. There's a sign-up thing on there. And um, we'd encourage you, if you could just pick half an hour in a week, say, I'm going to pray that half an hour. Um, then, you know, if something crazy comes up and I can look at that schedule and say, so-and-so is praying right now, let's call them up. Um, let them know and we can pray together. Um, so anyways, that's outside. We, I really encourage you, if you want to see a shift in your life, you want to see a shift in this community, in this country, pray. Let's get our trust in God dialed in like never before. And so that's going to be out there uh, for when you leave. And I just want to end today with, with some prayer. Because we believe in the power of prayer here. We've seen God do all sorts of amazing things here. So we keep going back to the fountain that never runs dry. So let's, let's just end in prayer here this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you're an overcomer, that despite what the enemy is, is, you know, is trying to do out there, even this morning, God, of how he attempted to disrupt our service, God, we know that you are bigger and greater, and that when your word goes out, God, it does not return void. And so, God, I just thank you for this word that you've given me, God, and I just pray that it's going to sit deep in people's hearts and souls, God. It's going to be something they remember for a good long while. God, because we want to be a people of trust. We want to be a people that are, are, have this intimate relationship with you. So, God, we want to be audacious and we want to be bold, and we, we declare, God, that here in this church that we want to trust you with the worldwide pandemic and all the craziness that's attached to it, God. We're going to trust you with the real big thing. We don't know what's coming. We don't have clarity, but you sure do. And God, we're just going to release this deep need for clarity. We're, going to, we're just going to release that to you and just trust that you know what's going on. God, we're just going to release that stress to you. We're going to release all those cares to you. God, over our finances, we just release those cares to you. God, over our kids' education, we just release those prayers to you. God, over our personal health, we just release those cares to you right now. God, we are going to trust in you. We're going to stand on the word. God, we're going to be bold and we're going to believe that we are a child of God that is, is absolutely beloved by you. God, we're going to stand on the word and declare that you are a God that knows our every need long before we even know our needs and that you're up to the task in meeting them. God, we declare that we can be bold like lions are because you've made us righteous. And in a situation that is surrounded with so much fear, God, that we're going to be bold in our confidence because we know who our God is. So God, I pray that everything that the enemy has intended for evil, that you're going to intend it for good. And God, as this has been a year that the enemy has been trying to steal, kill, and destroy, God, I declare abundant life. An abundant life that doesn't even make sense because it's happening in the middle of this crazy pandemic and all sorts of crazy stuff going on. It's going to be such a testimony to those that are around us, God, this abundant life. God, I pray you empower your people with the Holy Spirit, that they, they can know what is ungodly thoughts and, and what is godly thoughts, that they, they can know what is faith and what is fear. And God, would you fill your people with an everlasting joy? Because we know, God, that in your presence is the fullness of joy. And we want joy to the full. We want 
joy, God, that goes so deep in our heart that it just begins to scare out all that fear that's in there. And instead, God, we can look joyfully ahead into the future. God, we can laugh in the face of the works of the enemy. And we can know that we know that we know that they're going to fail and they're going to crumble because God's going to build a church that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against. So God, be with your people as, as they go. And I pray, God, just like this massive snowfall we've just had, I pray just for a, a raining down of your presence that it would deposit in their own homes, in their own hearts, God. That there would be a shift from today onward. God, that we're not going to spiral further down in this well of fear throughout the rest of 2020. No, God, we are going to stand up and we're going to fight and we are going to grow in our faith like never before. And we're going to become more than conquerors as your scripture declares. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.